0: Welcome to uh, Dear Luke and Ben, episode 8. Jeez, has gone fast. Hey, Luke. Hang on. Oh, Luke. Hey, mate. Are you joining us? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: What are you doing, mate? Over
1: 8 million albums. Silver
0: check. So you're doing some research over there? Is that what you're doing? Yeah,
1: no, I'm just double checking.
0: I'm pretty sure we've started, NCAA mate.
1: Awards, 21 ARIA awards from 49 nominations.
0: You don't need to be in the oh, corner come on, come on. of the studio. You can. There's a microphone right here. Are you joining us or bury yourself in your 30, cup of coffee? Ben
1: Gillies, they started, he started a family.
0: I think Luke's pretty excited about this one. What's happening
1: and Hey
0: Luke, welcome back to the studio, mate.
1: Thank you, mate. I'm here now. I appreciate that. It's good to
0: see you doing your research though. Well... Digging deep.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I know Ben Gillies very well, our guest today, but I did want to just double-check some facts that I mm. thought I had right. I was pretty in the ballpark. Eight million but, albums. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was eight million. It's oh, incredible, isn't 7. it?
0: 7.5. How hard is it to go and create something? So what's the spark for you? If you want to make a movie or a short or whatever it is, it's like, where do you start? Like, what's the, what's the motivation for you to do that?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it, it's and – and when I've worked with Ben, we've sort of talked about that, you know, that creative process. I mean, it comes with an idea – um, you know, that you hope is a good one And then you just sort of sit down And you try and sketch that out But you just try and, you know You articulate the vision And you try and just, you know Bring it forward with a story and
0: Is the idea though Like when you said you, you come up with an idea Is it because you want to create film You just want to be a filmmaker Like, you know, these guys want to create music And bang drums and, and sing <laughs> Is that uh, the motivation? Do you guys yeah. sit there and go, I want to put art out into the world and this is my medium?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it was never about, you know, like, I mean, I, I remember talking to Ben. They never knew they were going to, he'll probably say the same thing. They never knew they were going to be that famous. You never, you never know how successful you're going to be. You just hope a few people will see it and, you know, you reach someone. I mean, uh, w- when I made Rabbit, it didn't, you know, make Star Wars box office. But, I mean, just to have a few people at festivals come up and say, wow, man, you, your film moved me. I mean, mm. that's... that's We've
0: well, got this knowledge... That you can draw from it from it and go, this is what I learned through that. Yeah.
1: I remember my peers around me at that time, Nash Edgerton and people like that, were just saying, make stuff.
0: Make and stuff. And go yeah. to
1: Tropfest and do it. Do just keep making stuff. Don't wait for that phone to call and somebody say, Mr. Shanahan, we're ready for you. That's mm. not gonna happen. Just get out there and make stuff and fail. And and make stuff that's not very good. Yeah. Make something better and just keep making it. I remember those people saying that film's no good or that script's crap or getting knocked back from Screen Australia for funding or all that sort of stuff. And I think that actually helped me more mm, in a w- sure. really weird way, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. I just like that common thread between you, Harriman, Tim Ross, there, It's and and hopefully we get that from this conversation today with Ben, which is one of Australia's greatest creators, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Hands well,
1: down. Well, our big, one of our biggest bands, well, most successful bands of all time, up there with the In Excesses and the Midnight Oils, and mm. yeah, let's do yeah, it. Mate, he's sitting, he's waiting. Yeah, look, he's sitting he's waiting. there in the waiting We've room. We've just been gabbering, gabbering, yeah. gibbering.
0: Got him sitting in a dark room. Let's, uh, let's let him in. Okay. Thanks for joining us. I'm great. So do you guys ever do like a full
2: full radio voice? It's like yeah, welcome cool. to the You tell me, I, I think he's got a really good radio
1: voice. I mean, I've got a kind of a a jockey race caller voice, which has a certain place. But I think Ben, the Ben in this room, actually, you do have a sort of a silky smooth
2: FM kind Thanks, of mate. It's, yes. He does have a yeah, it's very smooth FM. He's yeah. re- very
1: smooth. There you go.
0: I'm making it in the, uh, the voice very It is very soothing. Thanks, man. I love it's it. really nice. So, look,
1: thanks for joining us, mate. And
2: and and where are we talking to you today? Uh, well, because my wife and I have recently had some twins, uh, we're sitting at my parents-in-law's house, and I'm sitting in her 16-year-old bedroom, which it actually allows me to chat to you fine gentlemen because we need someone to help kind of look after the babies.
1: Yeah. Look, first off the bat, I mean, that's got to be the question. I mean, you, you were a rock star, and now you're a dad of two within a second. How has it changed you? Straight off
2: the bat, generic question. Uh, I love generic questions. That's what people want to know. It's definitely changed our lives. Like it's everything's been, I feel like I've started a new life, a completely new life, which I love because I'm pretty smitten. Like I'm just, I'm like an instant proud dad. Like I'm so, you just fall instantly in love with your kids, right? Like it's such a... It's one of those things where people can tell you over and over. It's like taking a drug. I don't condone condone drugs, but it's like taking a drug. You can have someone explain it to you time and time and time again, but until you actually give it a go, um, you don't actually really know what it's like. It's the same as a baby. You can have people explain it to you over and over again, but until they're born, until you're holding them is when you realize what everyone's been talking about.
0: We, we, every single podcast we've had so far, bar oh, one, bar that. one. It's all about. Da- always comes back to babies and
1: family, man. And family. It should be. We should change the name. It should be. The,
0: that's it. We should be the.
1: What is it? Some dad. I don't know. The, the dad, dadcast. I'm sure there's a lot of dad podcasts. Dad. It's like. Dadcast. plenty, you know, forty something dads. Welcome out there to the dad podcast. I mean, that's you know how, that's a meme in that.
2: Yeah, I, one one thing that I've really noticed is is the speed at which you can move. Um, if you think something is wrong with your baby or, or you think it's choking or something like that's another thing you can't explain. You just, you're like the flash. You move so quickly to pick up that baby or to move it, to make sure that it's okay. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: We have a wine glass measure in our house. So baby one was, um, you know, a noise that sounded a bit peculiar. You drop the wine and you run. Baby two, you might have a couple of sips. And by the third one, we're yeah. Like, <laughs> Finish the bottle, and we'll check. The they're race. fine, yeah.
2: And you don't want to miss anything as well, like every every single smile or every single kind of movement. Like, uh, yeah, I don't want to miss any of it. Jackie, Jackie's forty one, so and we had quite a long IVF journey. So I, I'm not sure we may not have the chance to go back for another one. Mm. So you know, we're just savoring every moment. Uh, we we got pregnant on the round pr- uh, before the before the twins, and then we lost it, and that was kind of something that that was a journey that I wasn't ready for as well, but particularly from a bloke's point of view. Because I think guys in general, like we're pretty good at, you know, if we if we need to disconnect emotionally, we're able to do that, right? Mm, yeah. But um it was just one of those things where I was like, no, I'm gonna be okay if anything happens. But as soon as it happened, you know, and you're sitting in that room and Jack, they give they deliver that news, it's like someone just came and poured a bucket of like you know, emotional water over you. And like, you just, you kind of, that's, that's, that was pretty heavy. And then, but the silver lining was the doctor said that the good, the good news is you guys can get pregnant. Yeah. Right. Mate. So, so, and then what happened on the the next round, which is the seventh or eighth round, the, uh, the IVF doctor, our IVF doctor said, look, let's put in two, because, you know, you've had quite a long journey and hopefully one of them takes again and then uh you know and obviously if uh, not too long after that she's um jackie had her pregnancy hormone check and they were like they're through the roof and we think you might both of them have uh, you know you're pregnant off both of, the, off, of off both of the embryos so that's how we ended up with twins
1: do you look at back now and think of where you are and think how it's gonna you know because your music's obviously moved through and you as an artist is just coming out we did that video clip last year your new stuff is amazing do you find, Thanks, like, babe. I mean, I when I did Rabbit, I just had the two young boys and an influence that kids have mm. on your art or your business or whatever, it just changes, doesn't it?
2: I'm pretty – I have been thinking a lot about um, getting in the studio and I've got a bunch of ideas that I haven't kind of flushed out the lyrics for. I find the lyrics is the part that you can really have a, an outpouring of, you know, thoughts and feelings that are going on in the moment because definitely some of my older songs – like one foot in front of the other. It's like it's. Uh, I can listen to that now and and kind of know how I was feeling and what was going on in my life at the time. So uh, there's definitely part of me that's thought, yeah, it'll be. I guess it'll it'll just happen once it when it happens. It'll be interesting to see what pours out. Beautiful man.
0: I just want to know, like, how the hell do you write a song? Like I, that. I literally <laughs> we had this conversation with my son, and he said to me, he goes, "I want to be a songwriter. How do I write a song, Dad?" And I just went, "I have actually no idea how you start." Yeah. The
1: is it Justin? Is it a spot? This is a nice little through line from you because last year you, you asked a famous actor last week, "How do you become an actor?" Now we're asking a rock. Yeah,
2: yeah. How do you become a? Yeah. I'll pull how it right back to basics, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> right back to basics. I think. Well, I think it's like it's like anything, right? Like once you study something or you be you, you become well versed in anything, it kind of it kind of removes the. The mystique about it a little bit and it becomes about putting in the work um it's like it's like making a, like a, a movie right yeah. like there's there's i think people probably go to the movies and and look at a film and go oh my god it's such a, a, a mystery and like how does that work and but realistically once you yeah. have an experience even just on the video with you luke or the video the other videos that i've been involved in all of a sudden you kind of you get to see behind the veil and you realize oh cool like well you know if you've, you've you just you need a great story and a great script and then you go and you've got a you need a production house to kind of pull all the production together and locations and all all of a sudden it all smoke and starts- yeah, yeah all, it also all the pieces start to fall in place it's the same as writing music like if you go and study music and you understand how the relationship relationship of harmony and, and chords and and how and how you can play with different melodies over a certain chord progression and and once you understand that, like the veil starts to lift and then you kind of have a, you can have a sense of freedom to be able to create and express yourself. So it's it's not, it's it it is it is is
1: amazing, man. It is. I mean, how confident were you of that, that you, that was such an articulate way of putting it. How confident of you were that, of that process when you were 14, 15, were you just thinking who knows where this is going to go? Or or did you guys sort of think, Hey, we're pretty, we, we got this going on. We're pretty good at this.
2: A little bit of A, little bit of a, a little bit of column B. I yeah. think when Silverchair first kicked off, I think we were just pure, raw kind of just a love for music. You know, I definitely didn't have the musical understanding that I have now that I did when I was 14. Like, you know, I think I'd been playing drums. i have been playing drums for a few years. I started when I was eight. You know, figuring out all those relationships between the different instruments and, and why, you know, something sounds better than something else. Like, you kind of still... Finding out about your crutch area, right? Oh, man, totally. Um, well, I don't even know about that. Too. Yeah, wait. 24,
1: you don't know about that sort of stuff. I mean, I, and I, you
0: know. I, I, Can I add to that? I, the thing that I was thinking, King, how do you know at 14, when you're creating art or you're writing music or you're singing, that there is actually even a possible future in it?
2: I think, I mean, we definitely had ambition at 14 years old. I mean, I remember Dan and I used to hang out um, when we were like twelve and thirteen, because we started the band at twelve, and we talk about how we're going to be the biggest band in the world, and and we kind of I think we had a fair idea that we were we were okay that we we're a good band, and we talk about like how good we're going to be when we're like eighteen and nineteen and twenty, and but I think in terms of the music we were making, I think it was pure instinct. We were kind of operating at the at the top level of our ability at the time because the band took off. I think that almost forced us to be even
1: better get better yeah
2: you know because that you you kind of thrust onto this stage that i mean obviously we had raw talent that we just we were completely unaware of that we were just you know we were just going for it and we weren't really thinking anything about it which also i I think was probably a blessing as well because you know we were
0: love that goal though that goal where you said you wanted to be take on the world. Like I think if you remove that, could you create the same music and the same sound if you didn't have that belief?
2: Maybe. I I, I think there's definitely something about believing in yourself. Oh, I mean, you, you can, you can start getting into that whole philosophy of like putting, you know, what you put out to the universe comes back to you and all that stuff. But I, you know, it does, I, I definitely felt like there was a part of that at play that mm. we were so, there was definitely part of us that was um, determined to, to be successful and we'd always used to talk about like signing a record contract i don't know but but for some reason as 12 year olds that was the that was the pinnacle once Mm. you've signed a record contract like you've kind of made it and you know you're on your way to kind of conquer the world like you said so i don't know for for us it was just like look at 14 year old i look at 14 year olds now and just think holy shit like how did we survive Like yep. I look at fourteen-year-old fourteen-year-olds now and think they're just kids.
0: Yeah, like completely, no, really right. unaware. Totally. We we talk about this a lot in our house, and it's probably a it feels like a heavy conversation, but we always talk about you're the average of your five closest friends. So you know, if you if your influence is music, so you think about your your friend group at fourteen or fifteen. If your influence is music and the people around you, and all of a sudden you're going to feed up each other and create something pretty powerful. But if you know three or four of those people within that group like shopping in the mall, then whilst you might love the drums at 14, eventually you're just going to go and gravitate towards that group if that's what they're doing. And, it's, and I think it's fascinating. And I, I always feel like sometimes it's a bit, of a, um, a, a bit of a harsh conversation to have with a 14 or 15-year-old, which I've got a 15-year-old boy, but I think they believe it. And, you know, you obviously want to connect with people because you love them, but at the same time, Man, it's it's such a powerful force when you get some creative minds together.
1: The stuff that my eleven-year-old knows is way more than I knew. I'm not saying it's good stuff, but it seems like it's just coming (laughs) at him from all angles. You know, Um, how to be. You know, there's YouTube videos on how to be a rock
2: star in three easy
1: lessons, (laughs) which takes all the instinct out of the way. You did it pre-internet, pre-everything, and I guess that's the
2: nowadays. There's just a lot more noise, you know, so it's it's a lot harder to be to be seen and be discovered. And maybe it's actually a lot easier to be seen and, and heard and discovered because, you know, you can create your own audience. Like you don't need, I guess when we, when Silvercheck kicked off, there wasn't like, that was one of the mystique, the mystiques before we kind of got into the industry is how, how do you get in front of a record company? Like, I don't know, who, who the hell knows? Yeah. Like, you know, can you imagine how many people are sending in demo tapes and, yeah. I think and there was no real way to, except for gigging like just like a maniac and just playing like you know shows as much as you can but that even then like you don't know who's going to come to the show That's I guess exactly. you'd have to yeah. you can create your own YouTube channel and create your audience on there and you've got a, an international platform that you can that you can tap into and you know if you have one song that connects with enough people it's going to be spotted by, you know, I guess that's how, that's how record companies now that nowadays, and even then you don't need record companies. Mm, You can be, you can be a completely independent artist and be, you know, be, be a worldwide
0: success. Like this this amazing original podcast series. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Produced well,
1: well. exactly. But the funny thing is, though, but it, the purity of the gigging is—that's what I miss. You know, like I mean, the gigging now, especially. I'm not even talking about COVID, but poker machines and just the gig scene. You'd go and see a band, you know, at a local pub, and especially in the inner city of Sydney, in the Anadale Hotel, and you go see a rock band or something. You know, you knew there's something beyond Friday, Saturday night. That's kind of gone. So I mean, there's there's plenty more layers with which to get your stuff out there, but it just seems. It seems a lot, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot different, isn't it? Especially for the rock world. I mean, I think if you're a DJ or if you're, you know, an electronic artist, I think it's probably still as, still as viable. But for a gigging young up and coming punk band or a punk rock band from Merriweather, it'd be harder, I would think, to
2: get. I don't know, it just seems like. I instantly thought of when you were saying that was the Ananda. Like, to me, that's like the quintessential australian rock gig you know it's got a sticky floor and it's yep. hot and sweaty and and you know you, you're kind of shoved into the venue like a sardine and, and
1: we've
0: all thrown out um, um, all yes, at, at yeah. some point oh yeah you just, you yeah know. or inside well you backstage. Backstage. You, you thrown out backstage we were, we were out the front
1: yeah the, but the backstage area which is tiny remember you know backstage at the annandale yeah it was like <laughs> but that's great i mean that's just a breeding ground for so many bands you've seen but yeah I,
2: look it's just it's just a different scene right it's just, it's just different. Like, I guess if, if we, if we went back, you know, 20 or 30 years from the CD era into the vinyl era, uh, I don't know if it's even that far back, 20, 20, oh, man. No, I don't know, fast.
1: 70s, and 60s, 70s. And vinyl's back now. The kids are like, oh yeah, vinyl.
0: Cool. I saw a, there was a really good interview I saw with Ron Howard the other day and someone said, how do you feel about Netflix? And Ron Howard said, well, that's like saying, how do you feel about VHS versus, you know, it, it's just the evolution. It's just how things evolve, and we need yes. to embrace it. And and it was a really cool response from him. I thought he'd just go, "Oh, it sucks," but he was just going, "It's just it's streaming. That's what we're talking about, and streaming is the future. And we have just got to yeah, embrace uh, that."
2: I, th- I think that's that's a great way to look at it. Is like it's not we're not going backwards. We're not going to like all of a sudden people aren't going to go, "Hey, look, I'm um, I've decided to shut down my Spotify account and I'm going to no, go no, back no. to CDs." I, <laughs> I, I, I I agree. But what I do think, and this is what
1: I used to get off on bands, is the energy in a live back to the Anandale, a sweaty room. And sometimes even if I wasn't into the band, I could be turned onto the band through a live performance. I think Netflix and that offers, a, offers us filmmakers more, more, more um, options and more sort of like um, formats to do it on. I think we, we don't suffer, but I think the rock again. I think the rock band that wants to come out to the Annandale and turn on a crowd, maybe not with their songs, but with their performance, their live energy, the front man, the way he jumps around, that has dissipated somewhat. I think you know you can yeah. you could hear their song, but you're not going to get that energy, and I think. I think music so thrives on that. The music I like anyway is full of people jumping
2: around. Actually, you're right. I did find with personally for me going to gigs and also with playing with Silverchair, you can get turned on to a band if you go and see them live because you can listen to you can listen to an album and you can kind of go, "Yeah, don't really get yes. it. Yes. Then you, you, go, you go and see them and all of a sudden just clicks and you go, <laughs> I get it, and then you're in. And we've had that. So I had that experience myself going and seeing bands, but also we we experience from fans saying, basically reaching out to us and saying, hey, we, I never really got you guys, but I saw you play here live and i have fallen in love and I totally get what you guys do. Yes, that's it, man.
1: That's totally yes. it. I saw plenty of in, in the harder scene too. I mean, plenty of music <laughs> thrives on that energy because let's, you know, some of them can't even sing, but you're just taken away by that memory. So even when you listen to it again, you, you know, you go back there in your head you know, to where it was and what made you, you know, turn
2: onto that sort of vibe. Also I wonder if as you uh as you mature, if you if you actually just go to less gigs. Like I find that I I just I don't know if I'm more of a music snob, but like something's gotta really excite me for me to wanna go and see it. Like I'm not, not as I guess I'm not as willing to go and just, you know, go through the you know, work my way through bands yeah. to try and find stuff i really i just want to turn up and have my, my we'll hair blown back the and 40s, man.
1: That's, what yeah, I- that's the 40s man you'll be yeah, going to the wiggle soon dude so that that's happens. that's that done you know dorothy <laughs> the dinosaur but um then so it be- becomes
0: surfing go for a want to go for a surf oh geez oh geez not big, today it's 400 yeah. meters to the beach mate i don't know if i can get there did
1: you <laughs> so, but your, your your evolution too you've got to talk about how good your music is today i mean and and was that music always in you that you've done in the last few years?
2: I think as you learn and grow as a musician, like you naturally just change and you want to explore and you want to try different things. Yeah. So, I have I mean, say in, say in five years' time, I have no idea what kind of music I'll be writing. Yeah. Um, Lullabies and stuff. But
1: yeah. yeah, kids' music, I reckon. Yeah, l- I, did, I did my – my, uh,
0: my mate had twins and I bought him the Radiohead – lullabies brilliant
1: yeah oh brilliant. yeah we we listen to the green day lullabies like all i loves them you know just amazing you can hardly make the song out but yeah it, it's, it's interesting there.
0: what you're talking about ben because i know I, you can't join the dots looking forward right you can't sit there and say the rest of the next six years i'm going to create this because when you're creating art or you're creating a business there's so many outside influences so all you can do is look back join the dots looking back take those lessons those influences into your future right but the future is, is being as present as you can and going what am i going to create now whether it's a brand a business a movie a film whatever it is and going, that's the shit I'm going to put out into the world. And it's just got to have a connection with you, doesn't it? Is that pretty much the the most important part, being proud of what you I play? think
2: so. A hundred percent. I think you just take the sum, of, the sum of all the experiences you've had, you know, musically or, you know, in your personal life. And if you sit down to create something, I mean, you also don't want to think about it too much. You mm, sit down and sure. you kind of draw on all those experiences and just... Let pour out whatever it is that needs to come out in that moment. Yeah, I mean that's how I, that's how I kind of approach it. Like you know, say I'll go into the studio on my own and just I don't I have no idea what I'm going to do. You know, you just start playing around. You start playing around with some chords or some some melodic ideas or some beats and stuff. And then if you can kind of lose yourself enough in it, you know, two hours have passed and all of a sudden you've got like you know a three or four minute idea yeah. that could, you know, you, you just, you know, you've got the bones of a really it's cool a, song.
1: Yeah, it's a blank canvas. And yeah. I mean also too when you come up with your ideas too, I mean we talked about this when we were talking about shooting the clip for one foot in front of the other, what do you think of, you know, what does it make? And we had one before because that riff for Apple Fresh that you wrote was amazing yeah. and it was like, so that music, the riffs was still Silverchair riffs, you know, like it was, still, it was still that riffy stuff but it was just in a different style but it was still that, it was still that Ben Gillies feel. You know, and but, yeah. but but those ideas you came up with, like when you you know me, you said to me, oh, the one foot in front of the other, it's somebody walking, and yeah, then we'll do it. And we started jamming on that idea. It's just a day in the life, and then we both sort of just said, yeah, but he's got hooves on. And that was the – that was the, <laughs> he, should just, he should just have hooves. What, but And then I think I – which is weird for me. I sort of said – you, oh. you
2: you've de- you definitely said he's got hooves. Yeah, he's
1: got hooves. And then we sort of said – you said, what, why is the hooves? Well, it doesn't matter because I think – and that's the beautiful thing about film clips and long may they live on even in this world because film clips, you can just come up with the nuttiest concept and if it works <laughs> with the rhythm and the melody, who gives a shit what you're doing? You know, it doesn't matter. The story doesn't have to go – you don't come away from a film clip going – you know prodigy, you know prodigy clip or whatever, and go. What did that mean?
2: The way it's been described to me is like in the in the in the nineties and even in the early two thousands. Like you know, to be a successful band in Australia, like you know, you had half a dozen boxes you had to tick as like you know you had your video hits rage a few other different things you had to take video care hits. of
1: remember video hits Benny but
2: you know you kind of you got onto those you know you got you know you got some key radio guys on board and then you know you were you were on track to uh do pretty well i, I just i do still think that videos are still really important but i guess they're just I hope you know they they're are. Just... i really hope
0: they are and i was watching the cricket what <laughs> ashes the, hey, um, Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know with music videos, I, I found I find the ones in the 90s, right? They were kind of guys did really weird and out there videos. Like, I don't, yeah. I remember some of the Primus videos, oh, like, Primus were my favorite, because they were, they were so out there. But so I find now the videos, they almost have to be shocking or something, or they, they need something to make them shareable. And I just think about that Cardi B one, where it's just like all asses and yeah, pussies that's, that's, and that's, that's, like, yeah, 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 you yeah. know. It's just
1: like you kind of – I still watch that one. I I pitched on that, yeah. No, I didn't get it, yeah. I had a totally different different treatment for that one. So, so Ben, when (laughs) –
0: so everyone I've ever met in in my lifetime has a song or an artist that they go to for comfort, right? So it's just going, well, that's the band. Does that happen with you? If you're an artist and you're making music that comforts people and changes their lives, and I don't know if you've ever thought about that influence that you've had. Yeah. Who does that for you? Like, does that happen to you?
2: Yeah, man, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, right. Yeah, Bonham, Bonham, which yeah. everyone
1: knows you're, you're, you're one of your boys is Bonham, obviously, after John Bonham, the Led Zeppelin drummer. So, yeah, there's, there's right. obviously a pretty big influence there.
2: I, don't, I had quite a, an, an eclectic taste when I was quite, when I was young. I mean, I gravitated to rock music, but um, I discovered my dad's vinyl collection um, and I just started kind of going through that. And I remember my dad was saying to me, say, when I was 10, 11, and 12, he would kind of kept saying, like, Ben. Check out Led Zeppelin. Listen to Led My Zeppelin. Friend. Listen, I was like, yeah, whatever, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then I had this one moment, I'll never forget it. It was this song, it was the song Nobody's Fault But Mine. And we we're in uh, the, the, the lounge room of the house that I grew up in. And dad put it on and he fucking cranked the shit out of it. And it just, I just had this light bulb moment. And I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I wow. get it now. And I just went in this hole, this Led Zeppelin hole that was deep, and it was dark, and I loved it, and <laughs> and um and I just I just became obsessed, and it kind of it became Led Zeppelin just became such a musical foundation for me that it shaped it almost shaped, and I think it kind of shaped a lot of Silverchair stuff because of you know I. I for for all the drum parts that I wrote for the, for the silver chest stuff, I drew so much on John Bonham and, and that obsession. And like, I remember, I remember listening, like I'd watch like the song remains the same video. Yep. um, You know, it was a VHS. Um, I remember going to school and I'd, I'd watch, I'd watch that VHS of, you know, Led Zeppelin. And, you know, sometimes I'd fast forward to the, the John Bonham solo. Yeah. Classic. You know, yeah, man. So, um,
1: was that when you were starting? Did did Chris and and Daniel have the same idea, or was that just something that you that was more your your little world of the of the trio?
2: Yeah, I think. Look, I, I think Dan and Chris definitely liked Led Zeppelin, but I think that kind of that obsession and that kind of the the, the deep love was definitely my thing.
0: That's the spark, hey? It's so interesting because there's two things you said there, and I'm no bloody psychologist, but a, a psychiatrist? Which one is it? Oh, both.
2: Both. Yeah,
1: both.
0: Psycho- but I think if, yeah, um, both.
2: Yeah. One's medicated. <laughs> yeah, here That's you go. Right. Give I'm out drugs from, for one, yeah. yeah.
0: I'm far from, far from either. But I, I love that, that idea when you talked about, you know, as a kid, you've got this spark, which is Led Zeppelin, and then you've got this belief that you can go and conquer the world. It's pretty rare, man, as a, as a kid. So it probably comes back to family and you talked about your dad saying, fuck, man, you're going to listen to this and you're going to do it and you're going to listen to it. I always talk about that a lot, about the influence that music has, not just current music, but going back into our history, like Otis Redding and whatever it might be. And yeah, I feel like it's so important, man. So how important was family in that in that journey?
2: I mean, mum and dad were very supportive and encouraging of, of music and there was always music in the house and... Like, don't get me wrong. My mum was amazing with with my drumming, and she like she was the one that drove me to all my bloody drum lessons, and sat there for hours, and you know yeah. waited for me. And I remember uh, Peter Cronin from the Marching Koalas was one of my in Newcastle was one of my drum teachers, and you know I'd go to him. It was I'd pay ten dollars for a half an hour lesson, and I was always he'd, he. I think he just liked me, and he always made sure that my lesson was the last lesson. And sometimes he we'd sit there for an hour and a half. And, you know the time would just fly and uh, and i'd come out and, you know my mom would be sitting there waiting patiently Amazing. but i think I, I definitely felt like it was dad that was the one that kind of steered the the kind of you know the musical influences like because he was he just loved it he loved music and he'd, he'd always get you know dad was a plumber you know earned an honest living He'd get home from work every day when I was really young, and you know he'd always have music on. Like if it was in the garage or in the house, we had a stereo in the in our lounge room that Dad had basically wired up. He had the what you know the the speaker cables running up to the roof, so good, and all the, all all the auxiliary you know yeah. speakers, and cables he had them wired up to yeah. So there were speakers in the bathroom, in the kitchen. <laughs> In the in the lounge room, fucking everywhere.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't a Sonos so, soundbar system. That was old school, man. You know what I mean? That was this is wires. old school. This is not
2: wireless sort of kooky stuff. Yeah. No, this is this is dad in the roof, like yeah, uh, taking ca- ca- cables from the stereo and then cutting holes out of the se- like the ceiling oh. and like kind of mounting, you know, big old speakers. Yeah. My favorite was the bathroom ones. That that was the best. You know, so you go good. and have a sh- you go and have a shower, and you'd have you know whatever the latest record was, you'd you'd put it on and run in and have a shower while you listen
0: so good everything sounds better in the bathroom right
2: and you know what it's like it's one. i have thought about this with the boys like how much do you like push on them and how much do you just kind of lay it in front of them Mm. so it's ultimately (laughs) ultimately it's their choice right
0: sounds like your dad was a good guide though it's inspiration isn't it at the same time you know like that because you know you just said yourself it's like you take that away it's like would would you have even connected with led zeppelin you know you might have missed the whole thing (laughs)
2: That was dad's style, right? Dad was like, he didn't push it on me. He just kind of, he he would just like lay it in front of me like a little cookie trail. And, you know, he just kind of hoped that one day I'd kind of discover it.
0: Yeah,
1: but it, that's it's, that's true. I, I say that to you about your daughter too. It's like you know, Mia, who's a champion skier. You can't you you can't force someone to do something if they don't want to do it. You can you can give you can give him a drum kit, but if he doesn't have that in him or doesn't want to, you know, it doesn't matter how many drum kits you buy him. You know yeah. what I mean? He's not gonna he's not gonna be led there, and you you don't want to push him there.
0: But the, fa- the same thing with that, and this is interesting because like with Mia as a skier, like we love skiing. So like your dad, we you know we we lo- we wanted her in the mountains to enjoy the mountains. Not to become a pro skier, I didn't even know that was a thing. So when she started hitting jumps <laughs> and doing tricks, that's the last thing I want my daughter doing. You know, I'm yeah, sitting yeah. there going, shit, this is – but what happens is you see how it lights her up and it sets her on fire and she's like, this is the shit I want to do. So you've got an obligation yeah. like your mom dropping you off at drums and waiting outside. Mate, the amount of freaking 20 degree days I've stood in Calgary or Park City, you know, and come back broken cold is insane – but you just do it because it lights them up, you know, and yeah. it's an opportunity for them to go, hey. The world, and drums, the is, drums is
1: somewhat cheaper than, you know, having to travel around the world skiing too. That was one of so my th- questions. Th- when th- when th- was th- the th-
0: last time you paid for drums? You get free drums these days or what? Forever.
2: Uh, actually, I, I have – the last two kits that i used with silver chair were paid for. I just got, Oh, really? So Yeah, because I, I was – I did have a deal with, um, with Pearl Drums. That I used for a long time and they were great. I loved them. Used a lot on the Silverchair records, um, but I guess at one stage, at some point, I wanted to start using these other drums that were kind of handmade in Italy and nice. They were called they were called Les Soprano and they just sound absolutely stunning.
1: So now that you're now that you're a father of two and you're still making your music, you're the best of both worlds. Um, you know, you you live you live in the dream. What are what's the what's the one thing that you or it, Maybe there's nothing that you miss from being like a, a rock star touring the
2: world. I mean touring's fun. Touring's really fun. Touring touring with friends, like you're basically just hanging out with your mates every you still you still I guess Silverchair operates at a pretty high level. Um, so there's a certain amount of pressure that comes along with it. But look, once, you know, when you're in the when you're in the zone and you're doing good gigs. And you're and you're jumping on the bus and you're going, you know, you're traveling the world like that's pretty damn fun. Staying in nice places, um, I mean, but when you
1: were peaking, you were it was you were it was living nice, yeah. Well,
2: I mean, it wasn't crazy. We never went too crazy. Um, we definitely stayed in some nice places here and there, but you know, we definitely stayed in some dives as well. I, I, I don't mind a bit of a divey hotel here and there. Oh, they're kind don't, of fun. Don't we all?
0: In our last chat, we we had a good catch up with our uh, Damon Herriman, who lives in LA and he's an actor, and he he played um, Charles Manson in Tarantino's last film. Really cool guy, and a good mate of Luke's. And one of the things we yep. asked him was, does he does he still get starstruck? You know, working with Tarantino or Brad Pitt or whatever it might be. And he told us this beautiful story about uh, Paul McCartney, which was insane. First of all, do you get starstruck? And secondly, is like, who do you? Aspire to who do you look at and go, Wow, you know, present company obviously
1: excluded. Yeah, yeah. don't have to worry about me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah no, yeah. obviously. Um,
0: you,
2: yeah. no, 100%. Um, I, I'll tell you a story about uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. So we were playing some. I don't European festival, I couldn't tell you where it was. They all seemed to mould into one big festival. Page and Plant. I do I think love it, it don't an an, where
0: it was. That yeah. is incredible. <laughs> it was some gig somewhere, some maybe future. London or something. Yeah, Yes, I think Francisco. there was 25,000 there or something,
2: something whatever. They really do start moulding into one big show. But, yeah, Page and Plant were playing on it when they kind of got together and did their, you know, their Page and Plant thing in the 90s. Right. I don't know, we're maybe 6'17 or something. I think our dads were on the tour. It was always a mum or a dad's tour when when before we turned eighteen. So I remember at, at one of our parents. I think my my dad was there, so I was definitely uh, I was under eighteen, but I'm, I'm, I felt like we were a bit older. Yeah, we were just backstage. We managed to get backstage of the of the big stage. Jimmy Page and Robert Plant were right fucking there, oh, wow. and I was losing my mind and. <laughs> Like, you know, you're kind of debating, like going like you're a total fan. And I think it's important for, you know, for everyone to have that moment to be a fan. Yeah. And I was totally fanning out and um, freaking out and going like, I, what do I do? Like, do I go on, I don't want to look like an idiot or, like, I don't want to look uncool. Like, do I go up and say hello to these guys? Like, what, like, what do yeah. I do? Like trying to rationalize what the best approach is. And ultimately I didn't do shit. So, oh. and, and, and kicked myself for it like years later. I was like, try, like unable to kind of see that people have had that um, experience with us in Silverchair. Yeah, sure. Not completely being able to kind of remove myself and see that and go, actually, if someone was having that experience with me, I'd say, just come up and say a lot. Yeah, you totally. know, where, where I should have just gone up to them and said, hey, look, and you, you can kind of wheel. With uh, Dan and Chris and I, we called it um, etiquette. If people have good etiquette, because if fans come up and they just say, Hey, I just want to say, love you guys, you know, you've you've inspired me or whatever it is, or appreciate it because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. So, so. Yeah, I wasn't able to uh, put two and two together and just walk up and say, hey, guys, you changed, you changed my life. I love you for it. Thank you very much.
1: The music fucking rocks. I mean, rocks. you're saying you were have under – Have a good show. Yeah, you were under 18. Maybe a couple of years later, that would have all changed if you were, say, 20 or talk, something. Talk or, about
0: – who's the lead singer of Clyboys. Who's that? Choir boys, Choir boys, uh, run to paradise. Run to, run to paradise. <laughs> 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 my mate went and saw them at Penrith Penrith Club Gable, not long ago. No, not, no, that's Mark Gable, not long ago. Not long ago. At yeah. the end of it, he's he's fifty. My mate and he's at the end of the show. He just goes, "Mate, you know what? I might buy a t-shirt." So he walks up to the <laughs> They're counter. They're still doing Choir Boys t shirts And he buys a Choir Boys t-shirt. This he, is recent. He says, he says, "Yeah, mate, I'll grab a t-shirt." And then he gets it down, and the guy just so, starts r- signing it. And Glenn goes, it was him. Glenn's like, "What the fuck? are You're on my shirt for, mate?" Him. I just bought it, and it was yeah, it was him. It, it was him. Yeah, yeah. sorry, man.
1: Etiquette. Yeah. etiquette, etiquette. <laughs> That's brilliant. But, I mean, I did that with George Miller who did Mad Max, you know, and, like, and I, I was – this was only about – I only first met him I uh, think, after film school and I went up to him, though, and did that um, thing and I thought, you know, I I went up to him and said, look, your film changed my life and I, I did it. He, we were at a restaurant and I, I got him as he was coming out of the bathroom, which was, like, kind of weird, but I thought – I I, I want to <laughs> just say – I just want to say, you know, I was at the Intercontinental, I was with my parents for dinner, it was a birthday or something, and he was there with his family and I just came, went up and said, George, just want to say that your film, the first Mad Max, changed my life and went to film school because of it, and blah blah blah. And he said, oh, "Thank you so much." What's your name? Know, yeah, we chatted for about twenty seconds, but I'm so glad I did. And mm. I think you're right, though. It's etiquette. If you went up and you were screaming, groupie, and you know you're just being a dick and disrespectful, and you know sign that, and throwing stuff in there, that's different. But if you just mm. say, "Look," and he walked away, and I'm sure he's had lots of film students go up and say that to him, but. Yeah, it was, it was nice, and I think I, I felt better for saying it. And it, people that make that art, like you said, like, I don't know, they, they should be – they deserve that.
2: Yeah, and you know, but you know what? Actually, it was, I was thankful that years later, probably – not many years later, probably four or five years later, uh, we were in Brazil, and we were playing – I'm not sure what – I'm not sure if it was Rock and Rio. We were there playing, doing something, and someone that had worked with – I think it was Kevin Shirley who did the first Silverchair record. He'd worked a lot with Jimmy Page afterwards. And he was like, Hey, Jimmy's here. Do you guys want to meet him? And at that stage, I was like, Yes, yeah, I yeah. definitely want to meet this yeah, man. Right. So we went and um, we went and hung out and you know, we chatted with him for like five or ten minutes and but he, he was is. cool.
1: Yeah, good. Good. So you did you did have that moment. Oh, that's good. That's good. Are you, are you
0: sitting in a beanbag?
2: No, I'm sitting on a bed, so I had to kind of my, – my legs were crossed, so I had to kind of straighten them out because I think I was starting to lose some circulation.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a – is it there a, we go. Is <sighs> it a water bed? Are you sit on a waterbed? <laughs> Remember the waterbeds in the 90s? Oh, I had a waterbed.
1: Yeah, there you go. Can no, I just say I too? You, I mean, you know, you know that we're down the we're down <laughs> that we're down the we're, we're down the coal coast, and and you're still in Newcastle, and I think that's so awesome, you know, because Newcastle, you stayed in Newcastle, and now Newcastle's got hip again. Yeah, you know, you New, Newcastle's
2: fucking sick. I know, but Newcastle's you, so good.
1: But you guys have always stayed there, yeah? Did you ever come and have a stint in Sydney, obviously outside touring and stuff, or Melbourne, or anywhere? Uh,
2: yeah, I did 2 years in Sydney and um, I literally I remember I was just so stressed.
1: Yeah, could that, that, that I to just you. that's yeah. when I was
2: like, yeah. I mean, I really like Sydney and then obviously like just through Jackie doing a TV show I've been I've spent a few years in Melbourne. Melbourne yeah. But yeah, look, I'll always come back to Newcastle. It's just so it's just the perfect mix of feeling like you're plugged into the multi-core, but also like having a really relaxed lifestyle and not being stressed. Hey, know. you know, you know what you were saying before about your five, your, oh, well, your closest friends. Oh, what were you saying about how yeah, the average they kind of help mold friends. who you are? Yeah. The funny thing is, I think, I think the fact that you know that that Luke and I connected, and then you and I have had our chance meetings, I do think that goes beyond those. I, I, th- I do think those really close friends definitely, mold, you know, kind of mm. says a lot about who you are, but I do think, you know, if you're supposed to meet someone, you'll end up meeting them. Totally agree.
1: And also there's people that back to that point of knowing where you're going to be when you're 14, where you're going to be in 34, 44. I mean, there are people that I don't see anymore that I just, it's just, you move in different, you move away, you know, you move into different things, you know, and that comes with kids and yeah. comes with where you go artistically and where you move to and all the world becomes flat. Oh, <laughs> <That's> the <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot of flat Earth friends. Okay, we, we don't have many flat. Is that he, like, they're popping up <laughs> everywhere. One or something. Yeah. <laughs> one just feels like. But I just, we need to get him on. But anyway, he's coming yeah. on. Best gig you uh, ever done. Best gig you ever remember doing. <laughs> Rock and Rio by Country Mart. Really? Well, you remember the name? Yeah, Rock and Rio. Just was that based on audience? Just
2: vibe, sound, how you played everything. 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 Um, everything. It was to two hundred and fifty thousand people. And, uh, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And, um, we second headlined on the last night to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. So what year is that? Yeah, so what, 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 have your albums had just come out? Where, where, what,
1: where, where are we in the silver chair timeline?
2: I think I was like 21. So that's like 20 years ago. So that's, you know.
1: 250,000. You were like, you know, that, that's, it's, it's a nice size room, you know, 250,000.
2: It's pretty crazy. You know what? If you cool atoms down to it to like a certain temperature, they start acting as one organism or yes, something. And the they as, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So an audience of two hundred and fifty thousand, it kind of looks like that. Like it almost they one almost start moving. Yeah, it's almost like one organism that's like moving around like a like an ocean like an ocean. It's
1: crazy. Did yeah. you – I mean, you, and you've got shots. I mean, obviously, you're, you must have so many photos. You, did you get the, the camera, the phone out and just couple like – A couple of I mean, just hello. Hi, mum. I mean, that's like nutty stuff.
2: I don't, uh, even, if, I don't even know if there were. What was the – Nokia, what was the the
1: Nokia
0: 5110, mate. That went over the Nokia, snake. Yeah. He didn't have a camera. Nokia
1: 5110. It would have been a Nokia. Yeah.
2: Man. A Nokia. I probably yeah. had a little Canon little kind of like um, I mean, hand-held, 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 handheld
0: camera. <laughs> <laughs> Polaroids. <laughs> some Polaroids around. Have you, is there any video footage of that? Yeah. You could just
2: Google it. I'm yeah. sure there's yeah. plenty. Yeah, yeah,
0: great. You have a moment, like you know, <laughs> you see, do you have a moment where you where your drum kit decide to do like some circle spin upside down? You know, you see those old 80s bands, rock bands? Like, oh yeah, Travis Barker does that too. Yeah, the drum kit does it work. Upside down up, drumming yeah. and yeah. anything like that ever happen?
2: I don't know. In my mid teens, I used to do this silly thing where I'd like at the end of the show, I'd run out on stage and like headbutt the the bass drum. I don't know why I did that. And <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. I probably, I probably gave myself some concussions from it. But I, that, we used to put like a little nick in the front skin, so I'd go through the front skin. Wow.
0: I would have made mum very proud after all those drumming lessons. She's just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was going to say I don't, actually don't know the point of that. Who am I listening to right now? Um,
1: Oh fuck! I'd have to check. Yeah. Well, this guy, this guy next to me sends me like uh, himself singing Kenny Rogers, mm. "Ruby, Don't t- Take Your Love to yeah. Town." Like, like that's who he listens to. So there's no a few red wines. You don't have to look up a hip artist. Yeah, no, we listen to you know, we listen to all types
2: here. Yeah, islands in the Stream. islands in the stream. Yeah, how does it go? So give me a little rendition.
1: Islands in the stream. That is what we are. No, no one, one in between. between.
2: How, how can we, we be, be wrong sailor? Yeah, no, it. that's it that's it Two Good. yeah beautiful beautiful nice we, got there, man. Thanks, we got there we got there you almost harmonized that was lovely the way he was looking <laughs> in my <laughs> eyes
0: made me very uncomfortable <laughs>
2: yeah that was a bit weird made, made me feel uncomfortable actually <laughs> fair enough though. <laughs> I <laughs> thought you had a kiss yeah, um, so enough. the uh, apparently you. he was he was in the studio and he would cut that track and he um and he just felt like it was missing a certain little something and they were like oh we need a female singer on it and Dolly Parton just happened to to be like downstairs or wow. in the same building and it was like, hey Dolly, do you want to come and sing on it? And then she really? went and sung on it. And yeah, just like that. So that's, that's kind of coincidental. It's not
1: like sort of like this beautiful fatalist. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Just she but happened yeah, to that, be wasn't there. It. But, but nothing's that memorable. No, nothing's as memorable as the nineties. It's all you have got to say, man. You're not dissing the, the noughties or the, t- <laughs> but the but it's crap. Music's crap now. I think I can say that. <laughs> we? well, there's some good stuff floating around. Yeah, there's not
2: much. <laughs> Nothing's no, as memorable day. as the 90s. That's a good call though.
1: Well, it's it just, it seems like that's everywhere, uh, you know, that, you know, it, I'm stuck
0: there. Are we stuck there because of our age? Is it I just a 40s? I put on the best it? of
1: Soundgarden the other Impossible. day and I saw Chris Cornell and I'm just like going, who's Chris Cornell? Who's who's the 2021 Chris Cornell? Yeah. Yeah. Ex- where is that's he? That's a good point. Okay. where's Where is she? I don't know. So so what, yeah,
2: yeah, he's, he's right? not
0: disagreeing. Yeah,
2: yeah, know, I'm so not not yeah. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not. I'm going. I'm running with it.
0: Mate, what's uh, what's Ben Gillies doing at fifty? What what's happening this oh, time? Jesus.
2: grommy's
0: Gromy's a ten. I kind of
2: maybe I'm going to like soccer matches and. Oh, soccer dad. Yeah. Maybe I'm like a soccer dad, but I'm, I'd like to. I'd like to. I, I kind of. I met this guy once. That was like he was successful and he made some really decent money, but he basically was telling me like his whole life he was a soccer dad. And then he he kind of in in old, a, he was older and he discovered like partying and, and going out and like kind of changed his life to be that guy. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, and I was actually said to him, I was like, dude, there's Nothing wrong with being a soccer dad. Dude, no. that's sick. Embrace that shit. Like that's, that's, a, that's a happy life, you know. But um, so I, for me in 10 years, let's say that I'll be hanging out with my family, traveling and still making music. I'll go that's one it. further.
1: Let's just back that right up. There's nothing wrong with being a soccer coach. I, I coach the under 10s, the under 9s, you know. Like go one further. Don't, <laughs> just, don't just be on the side. Wear Wear a whistle get some cones out and a little couple of <laughs> pop-up goals and see where you go with that. <laughs> how's, okay? the, how's the heavy go, man? How's the heavy go? Yeah, he's not going to, the ACL's he's not going just to. well. Walk, he's only just out of walking. <laughs> <you>? <laughs>
2: the 90 <90-year-old's
1: laughs> brutal, man.
2: Yeah. And do we, like, as do, like, do you know much about soccer? Or? Oh, my God, I I know. <laughs> Mate, what? I was actually thinking oh, this God. earlier, Ben. ben I, know, I know
1: a lot about. He soccer. He doesn't know but, anything about soccer. Man, I know yeah. a lot about soccer. I know a bit about cricket. If you want to talk cricket, yeah. You can talk cricket. <laughs> yeah, I could,
2: yeah, that's it. I could, I could probably do a cricket coach, you know, for, for the kids team. But I, I, like, if I was doing a soccer coach, I'd be like, awesome. totally. I'd like, be like, it's yeah, a pull out the witch's hats, you it's know, whistle ball. like it's okay, a ball and a goal, run up there. Yeah, there's not, there's no
0: shot. It's a ball and a goal. Yeah, you know, man. I was actually in. thinking earlier when you were talking about walking around Newcastle. I was thinking, have you, have you ever played sport? Which part of your life did you go, I'm going to just start hitting the cricket ball? I, right.
2: played, I actually played cricket for, I think it was like seven years. Yeah, right. Like when I was young and I loved it. And, I, was, um, and I, I wasn't too bad at it. I was pretty, I was all right. Oh, here you go. Imagine here that. you go. Imagine the, yeah. sledges, imagine go. the
0: sledges as, you know, Ben from Silverchair comes out about in the under 16s. And you've and got you like got a that million, long a million, hair. Albums. That long hair? Yeah. You, know. <laughs> you can't say anything to you. You've got a million albums sold and someone's bowling at you. You're yeah. like, fuck mate, bowl wherever you want, I couldn't give a shit. I sold a million albums.
1: Pure massacre. It was a pure massacre. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I was actually I was actually thinking the other day, I wonder. I wonder if there's a like a like a comp that I could get into just to start, really? you know throw the throw oh. the arm over again, have a bit yeah, of
0: a bat. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good fun. Well, there you go. My brother owns a cricket label, so if you need any cricket bat, let me know. I'll send you one up.
1: Yeah, he, and he's got. He, <laughs> he used to play cricket too. It's just been a running thing we're going all the way through because he's trying to turn. I mean, everyone. Well, you're Australian. You love cricket, so. But he's, I'm thinking about making a comeback too, mate. So next, yeah, the, I tell you what.
0: <laughs> every year I play a charity match in Barrel. I'm going to give you a ring next year. You can come down and there play. A let me know. Yeah, a charity mean. match.
1: There you go. It's for rare kids. Ben Gillies opening. Up. I, would he open the batting, you think?
0: Hey Viv Richards played. I've no I'm a bowler. I'm a bowler. You're a bowler. Oh really? Then. Yeah, our swing. Our little outswing. Yeah. Out swingers, eh? A oh, big, big big outswing, go. actually. Big outswing. swing. Just have a good think about that <laughs> comment, Ben. So you you were a bowler. <laughs> at 42, the body doesn't work the same. I want to see you pull up the next day after 12 overs in the Mate, I, I'd be i
2: be happy I'm to awesome. give it, I'd be happy to throw the arm over.
0: That's good. good. Let's go. That'd be so good. <laughs> Done. Let's organise a little cricket match. Mate, thank you for your time. You've been very generous. It's um it's been a buzz. Oh no, it's sure. good fun. Thanks, man, for coming. Thank you
1: so much, mate. So appreciated. And um, you know, you're keeping the you keep your art and your music just keeps just us keeping Luke Shanahan in business.
2: The music, obviously, YouTube. Check out the video that Luke and I
1: made. Yep, check out the video. There's a bunch, but all your latest videos are fantastic, and all your music's great, man. And it's just been such a wonderful evolution and stuff from your early f- f- from 14 to 40. I mean, man, it's like an incredible prolific body of work you got going. Thanks, man. Thank you, buddy well i feel
0: better now thanks again for joining us for this episode with ben gillies episode eight for dear look and ben uh real buzz luke luke still going. yeah mate i'm just doing a rap yeah i've got it i just had to, yeah, I had to
1: move
0: the car i'm just doing a rap mate yeah, rap. you gotta move the car so yeah luke's leaving the studio he's done yeah. you know. sit the other edge too go back tell them- Go back to the other episodes. Have a good listen to the other episodes. Some beautiful so conversations there. Some magical conversations. So please go back. Thank you again for joining us and listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week with Myth. See ya.